Welcome back to another episode of We Are These Guys Now. If you didn't notice the spooky tune, it's because we do have a spooky situation going on. Before that, my name is Kenneth. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore Mr. Clark. And my name is Ben, and you can follow me on all the socials at BenMuller915. And our spooky situation, which is happening, is we have a long-awaited guest with us today. The super We Are These Guys Now fan. The greatest elementary school teacher of all time. My close friend, Sam Cronin. Oh my goodness. That, that was quite the introduction. I'm that's honored. What, that's what we go for here. Go big yeah. or go home. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. We set expectations unreasonably high. You sure yeah. do. Well, thank you. We try to bring out the best in people, and you do that by an over-the-top exaggerated introduction. Yeah, you really do. I've, I'm smiling. I've been smiling the whole time. That was great. That's great oh. to hear. Sam. Sam. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say thank you for joining us. Kenny, go ahead. I was just going to say, shout out your socials. Let the people know who you are. T- tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know Superfan Sam the way that we are these guys now <laughs> are aware. We're not going to call you that the whole episode. Just okay. have to get it out there. Okay, <laughs> sure. Superfan Sam. I like it. Yes, well, hi, everybody. I'm Sam, um, longtime fan of the podcast since their very humble beginnings. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness, what else to say? I'm a Scorpio, I'm allergic to shellfish. Also kidding. Um, no, I'm, I'm not allergic to shellfish, I am a Scorpio. Okay, I'm Sam, I went to high school with Ben, and we've been good friends ever since. I currently live in Minneapolis, and I'm a fourth grade teacher. This is my first year teaching, so it has been a chaotic first year, and entry to the profession, but, um, it's going well, and I'm alive, and I'm here to talk about it today. That's great to hear. So, Sam, how did you first know that you wanted to be a teacher? I feel like I'm at my job interview. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, I was going to say, like shouldn't that. we introduce the topic first? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, we just went, We're just going for it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm the one who who takes notes, right? On all the episodes. Good good, good point, Kenny. So the topic today, we wanted to have Sam on because obviously this has been a a very um, tumultuous time for everyone. And we thought it'd be interesting to get the perspective of somebody who not only is currently teaching um, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, but started teaching and graduated from college and started their teaching career um, during the COVID-19 pandemic and what their experience has been in education. Get some insight from somebody on the inside that currently works in education because we've mentioned our thoughts on education on the podcast before, but we mm-hmm. wanted to get somebody who has a much more, um, uh, I would say, a better point of view than two dudes who have never worked in education. So that's why we wanted to have... Never worked, never tried. No, nope, <laughs> never will. Um, no. But we respect those who do. So that's why, we, that's why we wanted to have Sam on to get a little more of that insight. So, Sam, how yeah. did you first know that you wanted to become a teacher? Well, this is an interesting question because I really can't pinpoint a specific moment in time where I thought, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. I feel like I really have just always known, as cheesy as that is to say, I just, I remember like in kindergarten, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And ever since then, I've just been passionate about working with kids and working with families. I've always loved school and I've loved learning. And um, I think over the years too, I've just spent a ton of time in classrooms and working with kids. And I would say my why has evolved quite a bit. So once I was um, in undergrad and then going through grad school, we looked a lot at the education system and how it's designed to support some kids. And um, there are definitely students who um, don't have the resources to access school in the way that some people do. And so I just think as I've learned more about these systems of power and, and privilege and how that 
takes place in the education system, I become more passionate too about making school a place that is accessible and equitable for all kids and for all families. And so um, it's, it's been a lot of learning and I've had to do a lot of critical reflection on myself and my identities and my position, how I show up in the classroom for my students. But um, really ever since I was super young, this passion has just evolved into something where it's like, this is where I wanna be and this is what I wanna do. And now that I'm actually in the classroom teaching, I feel so fulfilled and it's, it's challenging and it's overwhelming and there are really hard days, but I still just find so much joy being with the kids and I'm so inspired by them. And it's like all the hard work is really worth it when I just see their joy and their learning and how much they love being here and being with each other. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm most at home and doing what I should be doing when I'm in the classroom teaching. That is a fantastic answer. For the record, I would have hired you on that. Thank you. <laughs> if, Thank you. If, well, thanks, Ben. If, 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 if I was a principal and would have heard that as the answer, I would have hired you on the spot. That's awesome. Um, Appreciate that. What, what's it been like? So can you kind of take us through? So you, you graduate from college and then mm -hmm. you find your teaching position. And so from the beginning of the pandemic, which is right around almost a year now to yeah. where we're at today and kind of what that has been like, what have been some of the challenges, what are some things that you've learned, what are some things that you maybe might change, just kind of what the process has been over the last year, which has been insane. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I graduated with my bachelor's in May 2019, and then I started grad school right away. So I actually went for my master's in education. So last school year, I was in grad school and student teaching full time. And I actually remember very clearly the day that we were told our student teaching experience had to end because um, I was on a field trip with my class that I was student teaching. We were skiing and I was in the chalet when I got the email that I wouldn't be able to come back the next day. And so that was a very abrupt ending and we definitely thought we'd be back in two weeks, but then as we all know and experienced ourselves, that very quickly turned into um, not for several months. And so it was quite the ending to student teaching and it was also right around the time that I was starting the job search process. I was filling out applications and getting some school tours set up and then, I mean, everything just took a turn when schools closed. So I would say even just job searching and interviewing in that time was really interesting. I, my interview was over Zoom and you know, I never got to tour the school that I, that I accepted a job at, so that was really weird, like never having stepped foot into this school or met anyone I'd be working with when I accepted my job, but I got pretty lucky. The school I'm at is truly phenomenal. My team is just incredible and super supportive, um, and then the kids and their families are just great too, so I, I did get really lucky, but it was a very odd time, like Zoom interview, not being in the school. Um, it took about, I'd say until late August until I could finally come into the school and see my classroom. And right around that time is when schools and districts were making decisions on how they would be starting school and how kids would come back to school. And, you know, being in the Twin Cities, there's a ton of districts in the area and they have such different um, you know, there's huge districts and there's smaller districts and they serve very different populations. So every district was kind of doing their own thing. My district started with a hybrid model. So I had half of my class two days a week and then the other half would come the other two days. And Wednesday was our teacher planning day and cleaning day. And then on the days the kids were not in the building, they would be doing work at home independently on their own, which was a trip in and of itself. But they, they did great. They did their best. Um, then, I don't know, should I go through kind of the, the school year, what, what we've seen so far? Because we've been in three different learning models. Yeah, that'd be great. We, okay. And, and, okay for, so, and, and so people, you teach fourth grade? Fourth grade, yes. Okay. So they're nine. Gotcha. Yeah, they're at that sweet spot of an age where it's like, they have the independence where they can be doing this stuff on their own. And we're trying to build those skills of responsibility where 
you know you need to check in the morning what are your assignments get mm -hmm. them done but i mean they still need guidance and structure and so they did their best and they did great and we made it work um it was about mid-november when cases in the county were increasing um, at a pretty drastic rate and so then we transitioned to distance learning pretty abruptly where we were just um, they were at home we would zoom with them a couple times a day they'd have some assignments to complete independently as well um, that experience was really something and thankfully about three weeks ago um, we were able to come back so now we're all in person again the elementary schools at least the middle and high schools um, are still digital but my kids are back and we really went zero to 100 I kind of anticipated maybe easing in going to hybrid back to hybrid but they brought them all back so I have 25 bodies spaced three feet apart in my classroom now every day and um, we're making it work Wow yeah that's interesting wow, like, great. You, yeah. you can't even it, it, there's like restaurants and you know, comedy clubs out in Arizona, which is arguably the most open place, you know, next to Florida and then the other places that actually beat COVID, like that contain their whole COVID situation, that are still not allowing people to sit three feet apart from each other. And yet we packed 25 kids in an elementary school into their classrooms that close. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's no right way to handle a, once in a lifetime pandemic right but man I, I don't know so you know not looking at that part of the situation too much I did have a question you know of, of your college education do you think that it prepared you for the diversity and flexibility that you had to experience as far as the education patterns of last year you know you said that you faced mm -hmm. three different models hybrid in person and then online um, do you think that your education was able to prepare you for such flexibility or is there possibly some change that can take place moving forward in light of, you know, 2020? Right. You know, it's tough because obviously nobody saw this coming. So it's like, how could anyone prepare for this? How could any yeah. teacher preparation program equip their teachers for something like this? Um, gosh, it's hard. I mean, just no one was no one was prepared for this you know we kind of had to figure out as as we went i feel pretty fortunate the the program i in i was in i think they um, did a really strong job where i felt like i could figure things out i had um i'd had a lot of classroom experience and they did emphasize there's initiative at i went to the university of minnesota they had an in initiative for teachers um integrating technology into the classroom more and so some of that from undergrad in the grad program was kind of nice um but honestly i think through all of this my best teacher was my students because they have been so adaptable and so flexible and they are better at technology than I am. I mean, honestly, they were teaching me features on Zoom that I didn't even know. And, wow. <laughs> um, you know, they, they can figure out all these digital platforms. And the really cool thing, too, is just I can't imagine going through this like 25, even 10 years ago. Technology was so different. But now there's so many apps and programs for online learning that some I had accessed and learned in my teacher prep program, but some we just knew that they were out there and we tried them out and the students were able to figure them out and they taught each other and they taught me. So, I mean, was I prepared for this? I don't know if anybody was, but we figured it out. We had to. That's awesome. And, uh, and you know, I, I definitely didn't, didn't anticipate, you know, you say that you were prepared. It was just more of a, uh, you know, learning to be flexible, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. opportunity to, you know, be able to educate in different ways and be able to adapt to different situations. It's amazing that you were able to say, you know, your students stepped up in a way that, you know, can only, nobody's expecting fourth graders yeah. to, you know, step up and, you know, be a part of the solution as well. That's incredible. That's some right. real smart young minds. You kind of want to trust the future even more. 
Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I say like one of the greatest things about teaching is that kids truly protect my hope for the future. Right when things are feeling so disheartening and discouraging, I come to school and I see their ideas. I see how compassionate they are, how creative they are. And I really just feel fulfilled and hopeful because of them and because of how they handle things with so much grace and so much courage. It's it's really incredible. I do think just in general, though, teachers really, I mean, we have to develop ways to be adaptable and flexible because it's just part of the profession. So, I mean, as far as like flexibility and innovation goes, yeah, I, I had been building those skills for a while, so that was helpful, but it wasn't everything. Nice. Speaking of the future, um, and I know children are the future. You can teach them well, but you have to let them lead the way. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a line from I think uh, School of Rock. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm that. hoping some people out there will will uh, will. Uh, recognize that but uh I'm sorry of the, it wasn't one of them it's okay speaking of the uh future um where do you see education moving forward um post COVID-19 at least in the next like 12 18 24 months mm-hmm. are we going to see an increased technology presence even if um once the we're through the the pandemic where where, where, where do you see education uh, moving in the future Um, Well, I'll first, one of my first thoughts that I can speak to would be when you asked about an increased online presence, um, something I actually wasn't super aware of, there are a lot of school districts that already have full-time online schooling options. I mean, I know there's online school out there, but I guess I didn't realize how many school districts actually have where as a family or as a student you can opt into um, this online school or online academy where you're still Minded. part of really yeah I had yeah. to do sorry D- didn't no, mean to good. jump in like that but uh my my I had to do online school for one year and so yeah. I was just at home taking all my classes went in to take a cumulative test and then I passed the class that was it yeah and it's nice because it's still a part of a district it's not like this outside entity um So a lot of districts have that. The school district I'm teaching in is actually a massive district for the Twin Cities area, and um, they did not have that option, but we just recently received some notifications from from the district office that um, we're going to start offering that now. So whether it's families who maybe even next school year don't quite feel safe sending their kids back into the schools yet, or families who have just found that um, online school works best for their kids they're going to have this option. And so it's going to be like another elementary school in the district. It's going to be our 20th elementary school um, opening in the fall. And so I think maybe we'll see some more of that. I think some people are realizing that online school works best for their family. And that's great. Um, what uh, what impacts do you see that? Um, see from that? So uh, if online school becomes more prevalent and there's less interaction with the outside world, because that's where growing up we had, that was all of our social interaction was basically based around school. That's where you met everyone. That's where you met all your friends and learned how to communicate and socialize with other humans. If the option is there for basically homeschooling, um, but it's online. So you don't even have the connection with the, with your parents because your parents aren't teaching you what, impacts do you see coming from that? that that makes me I don't know if it sounds but it makes me a little nervous mm-hmm. yeah I understand well here's what I can say I know that there are online schools out there already and I think it takes a certain kind of kid and a certain kind of family to be really successful in that situation they have to be really disciplined and structured on their own um, and for some people that works and that's great I personally as both a student and a teacher could not do that I, I mean, I guess I did for a couple months, but I have no interest in that being my long-term thing. Um, yeah, impacts, I don't know. I mean, I think the social piece is huge, right? And even just now that we're all back in person, I'm realizing that as a teacher, I need to just 
give a lot of grace and a lot of patience when my kids are super chatty and it's taking a really long time to get them back on track and focused again because I'm reminding myself they went such a long time without seeing their friends. They just, they need to be with people and with each other. And I don't know about the whole online school thing. I think, um, I think it's great to have as an option because I know that some people really benefit from that for a number of reasons. I just, I personally would not, <laughs> would not enjoy that. I, um, I wouldn't either. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think back, right, right, totally. And I, I support it, absolutely. And I think it's great that they're offering it as an option. I just, I would really miss being in the classroom and being around humans. Um, my gosh, distance learning was such a trip, though, that I seriously could not do that. We had like a pet show going on every day on Zoom. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of dogs and cats I met. I have a student with a snake that just appeared on the screen one day. Um, that I did. Me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was, I was the best part. I was right in the middle of teaching math, and I just look up, and she's holding it up in front of the screen. So then you have kids unmuting. How long is it? <laughs> is it is it poisonous? That was my favorite question. Um, Are you going to die? Right, right. Is it true that it sheds its skin? And I'm like, okay, I am just going to turn the science lesson over to you for the day. It was a lot. And I would do, like during distance learning, I would do office hours. So I'd just, I'd have my Zoom on. And if kids had questions or needed help, they could come in. Um, Otherwise, most of the time, kids would just come because they were lonely and wanted someone to talk to. And so then we'd just tell stories or read books together. And there's this one girl who would show up without fail, like clockwork, every single day to introduce me to her gerbil. And I'm like, oh, wow. Same as yesterday. <laughs> so cool. The same gerbil. Um, the same gerbil. That was fun. I think another highlight from distance learning, I feel like LED lights were the big thing this year for fourth graders. Oh, uh, like in their um, rooms? Oh, yeah. yeah so, that's, yeah, that's right. That's, I see that on TikTok. That's a thing. It is a thing. The first couple weeks of distance learning, um, I had maybe two or three where they'd have their bedroom lights off and they'd have their LED lights on. And it's kind of like, we get it. You have LED lights, right? And um, that, I mean, that must have inspired the masses because coming back from winter break, I think that was a hot ticket item for Christmas for fourth graders. Now all of a sudden over half my Zoom screen is flashing neon LED lights. <laughs> and I had one girl, she has these headphones she would wear for her Zoom and they were the big over the head type headphones. Mm -hmm. And I just was getting major like DJ in a club type vibes. <laughs> we had to have the whole conversation of, hey, let's select one light color to have them for the duration of the zoom oh they would because change was, oh yes flashing blinking numerous speeds synchronized to music i mean you name it they had it so that was something i got um i got an email from a student one day i don't know you might have seen this i feel like i sent it to somebody um are you there? I am. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I heard something funky with the audio and I thought I made a mistake. Okay. I got the email from a student basically telling me that the homework looks fun, but I don't have the time to do it today. Fair. Do you remember seeing this? Oh, you, you, you showed me this. Yeah, I did. But, tell, but, 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 but tell the people. Okay, I'll Speak, cue it up. Speaking of animals, Kenny, are you in an animal shelter right now? <laughs> no. I... <laughs> I swear, bro, these are the worst dogs in history. The worst dogs uh, in history. Are they your they mom's dogs? Yes, they literally just bark at air, bro. If the air just moves in the wrong way, <laughs> they the vibe is it. off. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You weren't breezing like this like two seconds ago. You can't be breezing. Dude, it sounds I, like you're in Maricopa County Animal Rescue. I swear, <laughs> bro. Like, I will literally be working and on the phone, and I have to go out, and I, and I just, I, I swear I threaten this every day. I was like, I will tranquilize these dogs. Like, I, I will, like, set them free and let them roam out because they will run away. And they won't come back. And they won't come back. They don't know how to come back. They have <laughs> no idea where we are at any given time. 
one of them has like higher levels of anxiety than I've witnessed on any sitcom television show. And it's just ridiculous. Like I've been living here for 10 months and like these, hold on. <laughs> Kenny's over it. I love that. Kenny, are you in an animal shelter right now? I had to right? say something. I had to say something. Right? Can you shut up? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. They just want to be heard. Hey, they'll have to be your next podcast guest. Oh, no. They're not going to make it to the next podcast. <laughs> you guys are so annoying. Give them a time to shine. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's why they were barking. Five we, minutes. We want to talk to the people, Kenny. You guys are killing me. Right. Hey, well, you know what? Actually, that was a beautiful demonstration of what I heard every day while teaching on Zoom. Would, will, even, will you shut up? You're so even, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking more the barking. Oh. Even after just hopping on, uh, Miss Cronin, can you shut up? You're so annoying. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can, can you uh, can you read that email that you got from your student? Cause oh I yeah. Almost pissed my pants when you. Oh my it. gosh. Yeah, so the other thing to note, too, is that I can't convey this over audio only, but there are several emojis. <laughs> and that's like a whole thing in and of itself. Okay. Hi, Miss. Oh, by the way, there's like no punctuation. So if it sounds like I'm reading this as one long run on sentence, that's because that's exactly what it is. Hi, Miss Cronin. Thank you for the homework, but I don't have time to do this stuff. But it looks fun, and maybe next time, but not today. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Miss Cronin. You're the best. Thank you for teaching me, and I miss you so much because you are so nice and funny, and you never get mad at us. And I hope you're not too sad since we can't be at school with you. Okay, love you, Miss Cronin, and you are still my teacher forever, even when I'm not at school with you. All the exclamation points, all the emojis. Didn't they send that at like eight in the morning too? Yes. Like, yes. Eight seventeen. Time stamped. Eight seventeen. And I'm over here like you don't have time, girlfriend. You have all day. Oh, One, you're and nine. it's not. It's not like the homework I give takes copious amounts of time. You're, it's like if you sit grade. down. Right. Right. Yo, I am proud of. I am proud of this student right here. Cause hear me out. Do okay, you know, do you know how much it takes to just, like, how much self-awareness it takes to just look at something and say, there's got to be a way that I don't have to do this. Ah, I'm just going to tell them I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm like, no, nobody's right. out here, nobody's out here pulling this level of stuff. Nobody's out here saying, what if we just tell the teacher no? <laughs> right. What if, what if we, right. has anyone what, thought why are, we just say no? Like, have, <laughs> why, why are we all accepting this? This be she's an activist. That's that's what she is. She's gonna be changing the world. Or sorry, whoever sent the email, they're gonna be changing the world in in the future. They're gonna that's that's I'll I'll vote. That's my president. I love that. Yeah, I love that <laughs> perspective. I really do, and I appreciate it. It was it was it was really something. But you know, this like brings up many things too. Okay, all these emojis. I'm telling you, it's such a generational thing. I think. I can't imagine as a fourth grader, I don't, did we have emojis when we were fourth graders? No, but I mean, we didn't have, like, we didn't have any. We're still using sideways like, smileys, G what? Gmail wasn't even a thing yet. Like, Gmail got big right. in, like, sixth grade. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny because I, Rar. I know. <laughs> Yikes. Put on my Osiris's. Right. You needed emojis. I just, I'm picturing, like, I need to, it was such a realization that I need to teach. I love the emojis. I love the expression and emotion and energy that went into very carefully selecting them because that's absolutely what I do as anyone who's received a text message from me ever knows, they, they, right? They read like how you talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, oh, and Sam. that's exactly this. <laughs> like you have your own brand of texting. Oh, I love that. Which I is, love that. Which, so is that's... The, which is the complete opposite of Kenny, because Kenny sounds like he's a total asshole whenever he texts. <laughs> like, he doesn't text like how he talks. No. I text like how I think. <laughs> so... Which apparently is a dick. 
cool. <laughs> but it doesn't read like it. It doesn't read like that to me. But we can we can address that. <laughs> We're working on another it. one. We're yeah. working on it. It's a process. I've learned. I'm using more exclamation points. Yes, it's great. Oh, I love that. It's just, it's really interesting because they'll be like typing paper. So they use their iPads to type their papers in Google Docs. And we were writing personal narratives. And one girl, like her final draft, it was about her dance recital. So we've got like the dancer emoji and the ballet shoes and the clapping hands and the sparkling stars right in the middle of this paper. And I love it and I can appreciate it because that is, you know, what I would want to do too. But I'm like, I'm not doing them any favors by teaching that, hey, we can just throw emojis into the middle of our essays and all of our work. It's just so fascinating because it like never crossed my mind that that is something that has to be explicitly taught to kids who have just grown up with emojis. You know what I mean? I think I feel like it's something it should be taught. You think it's something that should be? Yeah, like emo emoji right. knowledge, I guess, since that's how we're going to be communicating yeah. mostly now. It's Yeah, it's almost like digital etiquette, really. I mean, there's a time and a place for them, right? But we can't be in, like, AP chemistry printing printing lab reports with all what? these emojis. Well, we could. Maybe we could be. Actually, I think, yeah. I think Maybe it would have spiced be. up my lab report, like, with Miss <laughs> with Davis. It's like, because she despised myself and Grant and Ben but I think if we would have thrown some emojis into some of our reports I think it would have helped perhaps she didn't despise us she loved us that was an exaggeration she was one of my favorite teachers we got along very well but we were just a lot but that would be interesting like do you think teaching is going to change at all moving forward with the type of curriculum like what we're going to be teaching now because of COVID and the increased presence of technology do you think that's the curriculum or what's taught in schools is going to change at all? I certainly hope so. Because what we are teaching now is um, really not working for all kids. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily because of COVID, though. It's kind of just been the way that curriculum has been for a very long time. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because we keep saying we're living through all these historic moments. So, I mean, yeah, this is the pandemic and everything from the past year is going to be what we're seeing in textbooks eventually. And I mean, I just keep telling my kids it's, it's, um, it's quite the time to be living through and they're at an age where they'll remember most of it. Mm -hmm. They'll remember a lot of it. Right. Yeah. I encourage them to, to journal and to write about what they're experiencing and hearing in the world. And we just talk about like how cool that our writing is a primary source. Someday it's gonna be a primary source from this time in history, right? Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of curriculum will be changing in the coming years, or at least I hope as we're um, learning more about the world and what works for kids. I don't know. I could deep dive into that. We're all about into deep dives. curriculum forever. We're big. You're fans all about of deep. deep dives. We're big fans of deep dives. Emojis should be a, taught as a foreign language. I'm just saying. We, that was that was mentioned while you were uh, disciplining your dogs, Kenny. Um, <laughs> I said I think it should be taught at least some sort of like some sort of I don't know if it's emojis, but just how to communicate over technology because there's like business writing mm -hmm. courses. Mm -hmm. and all that bullshit but that's only taught until you get to uh um college and then that's if you are a business major mm -hmm. yeah. informal electronic communication definitely should be taught as a course because it's very important and it's becoming integral to our positions in society right like being able to communicate and convey your ideas and concepts electronically over mm -hmm. writing with the addition of the nonverbal emojis and everything actually creates an entire new dynamic that we never had to face or address with just like cursive yeah. eventually became irrelevant it was irrelevant working... when we learned it dude it was <laughs> it, it, it really was they just didn't want to let like the third grade teachers didn't want to learn how to teach anything else so they're like let's yeah. teach them something they'll never fucking use they just didn't want to let it go but as that and you know as like in all honesty as learning how to write has become like more irrelevant over time because everyone's 
you know, everyone's just learning how to type faster and faster. And if you can't type, you have like, you're really much, you're pretty much looked at as a piece not of being shit. able to do a crucial part of, you know, existing in this society. Like it's kind of evolved to the point where it is another language. Like, you know, just like you said earlier, like me talking over text is not how I talk in person. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Like that does hinder some of my communication with people and can affect those types of relationships that I have. Whereas with Sam, like, you know that Sam wrote this message. Like, she took the time to talk this, like, she talked a certain way over text, and so her message is conveyed the exact same way she would talk to you. That's super important. I never really considered that. I think in about five years, we're all just going to be communicating through TikTok trends. Heck yeah. I, I don't see either of these things being relevant, either handwriting, typing lessons, or emoji lessons being relevant because I think the world's going to be ran by TikTok in no less than five years. And that's just how we're going to learn everything is going to be through 60-second videos of people doing unbelievably weird dances. Anytime something bad happens, just, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're going to communicate with nothing but sus, bruh. Uh... Oh, this is alarming. This is alarming. <laughs> anytime something, anytime something gets too bad, you just kind of dolphin away. <laughs> Corvette, Corvette. This is so sad. I don't understand many of these references. Okay, Sam, but you, for Sam, real you have though. A TikTok? Well, I have an account. I never go on the app. Uh, we're you definitely one of us. One of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't actually stay strong. It's the, it's the worst. It's a it's a weird place. <laughs> Seems like it. <laughs> okay, but while I was displaying the dogs, I thought of something. Tinfoil hat, like outside of the brain type idea. We can all agree that teachers in general are not really compensated enough for what they do. Like they don't really make it as much money as they really should because for some reason our society has decided that Oh, you decided you love this? Okay, then you just get paid because you love it. But, like, not enough to live and, like, enjoy life. Even though your job is integral to our society and very important, we all agree it is. We need you, but we're not going to pay you that much. Because online learning was forced into 2020, a lot of people, just like you said, Sam, found out that they um, actually do better or, like, they might actually thrive in that scenario and situation. What if we get into an era of like freelance teaching because technology has allowed it where people are able to pay by the student to have, you know, a specific teacher take over, you know, their their kid and like what 12 other kids. You can control the class size. You have a specific business and, you know, direct relationship to the teacher who is now teaching and guiding your students. You could do like weekly, bi-weekly or monthly field trips or interactive meetings with the group. And so they're able to, you know, get to know each other. I know homeschooling, like in some situations, they do stuff like this. But with the introduction of Zoom and other technology, it becomes even more possible and actually more feasible for like a freelance teacher to make a really good living doing what they went to school for so long to do that they're not going to get paid to do well in other areas. Are you Thoughts? proposing this as like a podcast? Yeah, like... Um, well, what, what? that sounds a lot like privatizing education. I was just going to say that literally is private education. It's, <laughs> it's what, what you... What you just described is basically what parents do. They pay for their kids to go to a specific school so they have specific teachers so they can teach specific things. But I mean, actual teachers, like individually branching off, you know, they have their own, uh, you know, access degrees and everything. And so you'll you'll have teachers who fit within certain, uh, what should we call it? Uh, what is it? Demographic costs. And, you know, public education will still be available, but you might see an increase. That's what I'm saying. You would see an increase in the amount of teachers that would be privatized instead of going for this public level of education. Because all you need is a, you know, a couple of kids the first time around, and then you have word of mouth from that point on to garner interest and gain 
support with your schooling program? Yeah, I guess, to be honest, I don't really know what that would look like. Um, Basically, teachers are free agents, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, I mean, we that couldn't be, like, all the only option, right? You're not saying Oh, that? no. No, okay. I'm not saying that would be the only option. Okay. Obviously, yeah. like, public schooling... Anarchy! Just, <laughs> public schooling as a whole needs, like, needs to get better. But what I'm saying yeah. is you may see an increase of these, like, free agent, private, like, freelance-type teachers who just go out and maybe in addition to their public school work, take on just a class of kids that they teach for an hour or two a day. Like tutors. You know? Yeah, like almost like a tutor, but an actual like designated teacher like for a homeschooling program. Like they mm-hmm. have six six or twelve kids who they teach over Zoom five day five, six days a week just for a shorter school day. Tinfoil hat sidetrack, but going back to where this started tinfoil hat we don't pay teachers a lot because we want to keep people dumb and not actually teach them like there's a there's a like there's an incentivized interest to not fund education to the max for somebody to benefit like it doesn't make any sense to me why similar what we talked in the last episode was that like why isn't renewable energy on the on the front lines of like every energy discussion ever but it's not. We just kind of like accepted that, like, oh, we have fossil fuels and we're just gonna keep using them. Why aren't we talking about dumping like the most amount of money into education that we can? Because that's literally how we teach people how to be humans and survive in our current society. So, someone has to be benefiting off of not paying teachers a lot. Is there wouldn't? I don't know. Actually, yeah. I'm getting a little tinfoil hatty, but that's that's that. That was the thought that I had when you when you started. Sam, what do you think? I, well, one thing I thought about when Kenny was explaining the potential, I know a lot of families during distance learning did do something like that where they would hire teachers or tutors to take on homeschooling for a pod of their kids. And that kind of sounds similar to what Kenny mm. was describing. Um, it was a lot of families, I mean, I know families who did it, families who maybe didn't feel safe sending their kids back to school, but they had a few other families or other kids in their bubble and they would hire a teacher to come to their home. I know some friends of mine from the program actually did that instead of getting a teaching job. So, you know, I I wonder what if some families really enjoy that and it does sustain beyond pandemic teaching. Um, I don't know, it, it for sure would not be for me, I can say that. And I think in public education, we need teachers who are advocating for kids and um, for families. I 100% agree teachers are not paid (laughs) enough. And, you know, it's not just because I'm a teacher that I'm saying that. But I think especially now that I'm a teacher and seeing how much goes into teaching behind the scenes, I mean, I've wanted to teach my whole life. All I've known is teaching and being a teacher. So I feel like I was a little more in tune to some of the behind the scenes stuff. But now that I'm actually living it, it is a whole different world. And just seeing the time and the energy and the resources that teachers pour into their career is, um, it's, it's astounding. I think I know. I think I answered my own question. I think I know who benefits from it. The government itself benefits off of what you just said. The love that all these teachers have for their job, because it's well known mm-hmm. that that teachers, compared to other occupations, tend to be a little bit more invested in their job. I think that's a safe assumption, and so they benefit off of um, people pouring their heart and soul into this profession because they know how important it is because that's also an undeniable fact how important their job is. And then so they, they say, well, we can just spend money on other things because this is going to be, these people are going to continue doing their job at um, 
an excellent rate and, 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 and being unbelievably productive and into their job. And we don't need to pay them because they're going to do it no matter what we pay them so then we can, like, buy more bombs. Well, hey, I didn't choose this career to be rich and famous. That's for sure. Well, you're about to be. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it sounds a lot like exploitation. I don't know, the way you just described it. But That's exactly uh, what it is. It, it 100% is, yes. It, not even close. It's, it's, it's basically definitely... the definition of exploitation. I think if you look up the definition of exploitation you're just in gonna... the dictionary, you find the U.S. <laughs> education system. You're going to find a picture of Miss Frizzle just like looking and at you just because she's going above and beyond and there's no way she's being paid enough to own a magic school bus that's coming out of her pockets <laughs> she's got only fans no she built it she <laughs> built the magic bus she figured out how to do that Mrs. did Frizzle you just say miss frizzle has an only fans <laughs> Is that what I heard? <laughs> I'm doubling down on it. Yes. Did I this, this took a turn. This took a turn. Her and I the iguana say, be making bank. Yeah, dude, because she's doing her private teaching lessons, like you said previously, on OnlyFans. Okay. This took a turn. Um, for the record, I am not doing that, personally. Um, if anyone was wondering. No. I, you know... I yeah I agree. Love and tears. We need. Crying. I don't even know where to go from here. Um. I do. Speaking of magic school bus, if okay. you had a magic wand, oh, look at that. Sam, like that segue. transition. Thank you. So smooth. Um, this was all planned. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you do to better the current U.S. education system? And no restrictions. Money, time, people. Magic wand, what, what would you do? Oh, where do I begin? Okay. Well, we were already talking about this a little bit, but more funding, right? Because, um, I mean, part of it would be teachers could be paid higher. It actually was, just as a side note, really interesting in like Finland, um, in I think Sweden and Norway as well, but I know Finland for sure, like teachers have master's degrees. It's seen as a very noble profession. They are paid way more, and their education systems are thriving. There are, I mean, a lot of other complexities, but I digress. I think part of it would be um, funding not only to pay teachers better for their, and then I think you'd get more, I shouldn't say you'd get more from teachers. Teachers are already pouring everything they have into what they do. Um, they might feel better about but, it. They'd feel better about it, but also, I mean, a lot of teachers have to have a second job or a third job. And imagine um, teachers being able to take better care of themselves by not having to work such unbelievable hours. Um, that's one piece of it. But also with more funding, you could have smaller class sizes, which would be incredible. I have 25 kids in here, and I mean, every day I feel like I'm not doing enough to meet each of their individual needs because... It's just how, how can you? It's not I mean, possible. It's, I'm, I do my best with, yeah. with what I have and with what I can in the time that I have with them. But you know, there's so many times at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't even get to check in with this individual or, or hear about what this kid is reading or see how this child's doing and what's going on at home. You know, it's just, it's hard. Smaller class sizes would be great. We could get some more counselors and mental health support in the schools for students and teachers. Um, higher quality resources would be fantastic. Another thing with this magic wand, if we could make this happen, and I mean, this would be almost like restructuring the whole system, right? This is really big picture thinking, but um, we need way better representation in schools, I think, um, in terms of literature and curriculum, but also like staff and educators and administration and leadership. The statistics are just like 82% of teachers in the United States are white and 97% in Minnesota are white. And it's just when you think about um, the voices and the perspectives that we're missing but it's not even a question of why aren't we hiring um teachers of color teachers with representation in other areas too ability and gender identity and linguistic diverse linguistically diverse teachers but um it's more it goes deeper because it's like what barriers are there for people to even get into teacher preparation programs 
you know, it's just a very um, tough system. But with this magic wand, we would have a lot better representation. Kids would be able to see themselves in literature and in curriculum and in the people who are teaching them and in the people they're surrounded by. I wish schools would do a better job of teaching accurate history. I mean, it took until one of my college courses, sophomore year of undergrad, that I really learned some of the truth about um, indigenous people who were on this land way before European colonizers came over and also who are still here. That doesn't get taught. I think sometimes the black history that's taught in schools starts with slavery and ends with the civil rights movement, which is extremely inaccurate. Schools need curriculum that's more culturally responsive and sustaining. I just look at like standards and benchmarks and who they're written by and who they're written for. They are not accessible to so many kids because it's just, it is brutal. I could deep dive into this forever. Um, honestly, if it were up to me, we wouldn't do homework or standardized tests or any high stakes tests for that matter. I wish schools could just be a place where kids would find joy and find inspiration. And yes, it's important to learn how to read and to write. And, you know, learning math teaches a lot of problem solving and critical thinking skills and flexibility of the mind. But also, like, I wish we could just build in with more time and resources um, opportunities for kids to explore their passions and their gifts and their talents. If it were up to me, schools could have way more music and arts and um, kids would have opportunities to learn new sports and play sports or instruments and learn languages or if they're into coding and computer programming or engineering and design. I just think we could really re-envision and reimagine school to be these places that kids can find their spark and they're still learning so much from that. Does anyone Pop have a the, the, off Sam? Oh my <laughs> god. Does anybody Go have a brick off. wall? Does anybody have a brick wall? Because I will run through it. Oh what my, and oh my okay. get the fire extinguisher, the fire hose, the whole freaking department. I will because Sam is on building. fire right now. Holy <laughs> cow. You you're had giving me, me You had me at giving in, me a lot of credit. You had me at indigenous people. And then okay. you just carried me through the entire rest of the amazing idea and plan that, thank you. <laughs> like, okay, First I can step all. down from my soapbox now, but well, thank you. No, you give me a lot of credit. And, and, you know, I do want to say that like, none of this is, um, is my own original thinking, right? There are schools who um, fit some of these visions and there are organizers and leaders and activists out there who have been um, demanding this and fighting for this for schools for years and years like this is not my original deal right it's just oh, yeah. i think you know um, we need more people in education who can be really visionary and see that it's it's not sitting at desks taking tests learning standards and benchmarks written by white upper class educated people for white upper class educated people right even down to like we're right now in fourth grade preparing for the MCAs, which is like the statewide um, standardized assessment. And we're doing these practice questions and so many of them just have language and concepts that some of my, many of my students don't have background knowledge for. And it's like, who are these questions really written for? And why are we still taking the standardized test so that these corporations and companies that put them out can profit and then, you know, present schools and teachers with test scores and Gross. say, you're not doing a good enough job. It's, it is, Gross. it is. Boo. It's just yes. when schools function as like corporations, it just, it sucks. And I, I just wish with this magic wand, I could wave it and we would have um, representation for all kids where they could all see themselves no matter what ability or language they speak or where they come from. And they would have literature and curriculum that is for them, that inspires them. I wish it could be just a more joyful place where we get to celebrate each other and celebrate learning. And of course, you know, we're trying our best and teachers all over are doing everything they can right to make their classroom such a safe haven that is joyful and that is inspiring it's just that when we are and we being teachers when we are faced with these 
there's so much pressure, right, to meet standards and all this talk. And I mean, I have a real issue with this whole narrative of like kids are so behind because of the pandemic. And it's like, behind what? These standard, these arbitrary yeah, standards written shit? by who? Right. And, and I get I mean, I appreciate that there's a structure in place to guide teaching, but we also need to recognize that this structure is not designed in a way that is equitable and accessible for all children. And there are far greater things that they are learning that outshines whatever these standards and benchmarks. This is listen. OK, and then I can take a breath here. This is my thing. I care way less about my kids memorizing information or being able to walk away knowing how to do long division or recalling the stages of the water cycle or whatever else, right? Like great to learn about. Um, I think it is important, right? That we are learning this knowledge and learning how the world works, but I care way more about them being able to walk away feeling inspired, feeling curious and feeling passionate about learning. And I care about equipping them with the tools they need to access information and also be critical thinkers. So yes, let's learn how to read and learn how to write, but also be critical of where is this information coming from? Whose voice is being heard? Whose voice is being silenced? Whose history are we learning? Whose history is being erased? Them being able to ask these questions is really going to empower them to make their world better. And I care far more about that than whatever other benchmarks or standards we may or may not be reaching at any given moment, right? Does anyone have a second wall? Okay, okay, all right, first of all. <laughs> second brick wall definitely needed. So I just, I really, I mean, I get energized about this because people are thinking this way and it's, like, why can't we be in this place? Just why are teachers being stopped from being able to live this in their classrooms? I don't know. It's and that's tough. Where, and that's where I come with my tinfoil hat theory, but we can put that to the side. But going back to where you started this, was to start with more funding, and then, and then which then all trickles down to, you know, having a school not run like a corporation and the pushback would be like, we don't have enough money to fund the schools. If the last 12 months have taught us anything is that our monetary system is a farce and it's not a real thing. So everything that we've learned about economics isn't true. And so <laughs> let's inject the schools with a trillion dollars. Who gives a shit? We're about to pass our third or fourth stimulus bill. We're going to be over like five, six trillion dollars in total stimulus packages, money flying over the place. It doesn't matter. It's Who's going to stop us? <laughs> it's, it's a farce. It's not real. The consequences that you describe are not real because if they were, we would be hurtling towards the worst depression we've ever seen ever. But that mm -hmm. isn't the case. So as we've been preaching for the last 12 months, nothing matters. So that is no longer, in my opinion, a, a reason to not fund schools is that no. we don't have money because we can actually print more and nothing happens. We need to keep funding our military so people respect our currency. But until that goes south, we're fine. Keep printing more. Who gives a shit? Nothing matters. Fund the schools. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> if somebody decides they're not going to take Thank our money, man. like yep. we've been funding our military for exactly that. So, yeah. Yeah, Ken, oh, yeah Ken, Kenny and I have we we've we've established why we fund our military. It's not for oil. It's not for anything else. We're basically like oil self sufficient. Um, it's so other countries value our currency because so we, we don't, can guarantee it. So yeah. we don't we don't we don't make uh, we don't make anything here. So there's mm. and we're we're like twenty something trillion dollars in debt. And then after all these, which doesn't make any logical sense. That's a trillion is so much that it actually doesn't make make sense. Um, mm. And again, nothing happens. So again, keep funding the military. I see why we do that now. Um, but fund education too. Who gives a shit? Print more money. Yeah. Doesn't we, matter. We, we while while everyone else is you know respecting our dollar because of our ginormous military, That's, we can. You can't take the money from the military and put it in education. It wouldn't work. Nope. No, no. But work. we we can just we can just make, make more, more money because it's fake. It's not a and, real thing. 
support the and, and just make you just make everybody smarter you know allow them the creativity and the you know outlets that was so well put by the way sam unreal you know, it's it's Thank great you. And, you know just like you know you did you did say and give credit to the fact that there are people who are out there you know speaking this preaching it you know demanding it for so long but it's still very refreshing and in all in all honesty such a great thing to hear from somebody who is in that profession that there is opportunity and there's uh, there's lacking there's there's areas where things aren't perfect and where they could be exceedingly better not just for you know you know it's not not on a selfish level either you weren't saying like i need to make more money because i'm not living comfortably it's like no we need to fund education more because it'll give students a better opportunity to be who they want to be, who they will eventually desire to be. The curiosity and creativity that's built in a school or learning environment is not meant to be built and then pushed into like an oil refinery so they can work on some kind of conveyor belt. If they want to do that, that's perfectly fine, but that's kind of what we're doing right now. But by introducing more arts, more music, teaching history more accurately, teaching the basics of math and then stop trying to drill it into them. What in the world does a kid need to do with pre-calculus if they're not going to be a mathematician or a math teacher? Calculus is fake. They, they... <laughs> Nick, Nick, and I, Nick and I were literally talking about that last night. We were talking about how like calculus, it's not fake. It's just a bunch of rules set up and it doesn't have any... I mean, again, unless you are basically like a physicist or a math teacher so you can then teach it teach calculus to other people who hopefully would then become like a physicist or like an astronaut or a teacher of calculus That's like it. it's, there's it's, got to be an end goal there, exactly there has to be an end goal to something that i'm learning that's what's so frustrating. We we did have a whole episode about what we would do on the education system. It's kind of mm -hmm. funny, and it's but it's awesome. Like I said, to hear somebody so passionate about. It. I'm not going to ramble on for too long, but thank you very much for all that you you know brought to it, that one moment. That's such a such a memorable moment. Like in our entire one year of doing this podcast, coming up on. That's going to be one of my favorite moments moving forward because that was very inspirational. Thank you so much, Sam. I second Wow, that. thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, it's, it's really important. I've got several teacher friends who share the same type of energy, uh, but to hear somebody get on here and proudly say it and believe in it like, I, like it sounds that you do, it's, it's just awesome. Very affirming. Happy for your students getting the opportunity to learn from someone like you. I, I'd trust those kids. Like I said, I'm voting for one of them as my president. So, <laughs> well, whoever wrote you. whoever wrote that letter, they they've got yeah. the creativity and the <laughs> and oh, the levels great. of that's the learning that I want to happen in our in our schools. Right. Ask me why I have to do homework. Like, why do I have to do homework? Well, I assigned I it. That. If you don't, these are the these are the repercussions. You I can would. take those repercussions if you want but they're still going to come. But I you love know what? that. I love I, the thought process. I support that too, though, because I think we should be able to question authority, right? And we should be able to be critical and ask why we have to do things yeah. and not just mass produce followers who are, yeah, conforming. So, I mean, I respect it 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's for me it's more just comical than anything like i yeah. screenshotted it and i just look at it when i need a good laugh and i'm like you know what you're right you don't have time just you do you girlfriend <laughs> yeah. whatever you gotta Nothing do today. matters <laughs> no it's hilarious it's, like, it's great right but you know i i like i really do i i respect that that we're questioning and we're thinking critically and and we're asking questions i um i can get behind that you're right that is that's that's an activist right there that's a leader Gen Z to the moon. Let's go. Woo! All right. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, man. Any other idea? Any Anything else that we're going to talk about on this episode? We're going to leave them on this uh, amazing high of positivity. <laughs> Just leave them on that note. Um, oh, my goodness. I mean, I could go on for days. Hey, this has been really fun, though. I, um, I've loved talking with both of you, and I really appreciate you listening and giving me the space, too, that... This has been really fun. I think 
just in general, um, when people ask me if I'm hopeful about education, what gives me hope is the kids who sit in our classrooms. And um, I think that, you know, teaching is hard and um, school has been hard for a lot of kids and a lot of families. Um, but I think, I think we're learning a lot and I think more than anything else, we've realized how much we need each other and how much we need community. And that's something that's always gonna stay with us, right? And for me, at the end of the day, if my kids leave feeling loved and cherished and curious and passionate about learning, I feel like I've done my job. Wow. Hell ben, yeah. anything else? No, I just have a disclaimer. Um, I, I, I realized um, while we were recording um, that I also have um, friends and family that are also teachers. And I did proclaim Sam as the greatest elementary school teacher of all time. Um, Again, my cousin Allie, who's a big fan of the podcast, also a elementary school teacher. So um, I might say, Sam, I would put you top five greatest elementary school <laughs> teachers of all time. And my, and, and, hey, and my, and, and my aunt Candy, who was an elementary school teacher, became uh, principal. So again, top five. But just, just, just to throw that out there, this has been awesome. Thank you, Sam. Incredible. Thank you. And you know what? There are a lot of good ones out there. And I am who I am and I get to do what I do because of the teachers I've had who have been inspiring and the teachers that I get to work with. You know, there's there are some really good ones out there for sure. Hell yeah. That's so awesome. You are who you are. We weren't these guys before now. We are now. I can't even say that right now. I'm just bubbling with inspiration. <laughs> I'm going to try that one time back because that was... I can't even speak. What are you, what are you I can't even about? speak right now. I'm often, just like. How often have we done this? You're doing oh, great. Right? We're in the 30s? Yeah, like 35, I think. The, this podcast has more episodes than I have years on this world. Oh, babe. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you made it. Right. <laughs> we weren't these guys before. We are now. Thank you so much for joining us, Sam. Thank, Thank you, everybody, you for having for listening. me. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.